This is Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hit! Browns are going to win! Mayfield, end zone, Landry, touchdown! With Dan Kadar and Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. With Steve Dorshuk from the Canton Repository. Browns fans, now, Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. And we're recording. Hi, I'm George Thomas with the Akron Beacon Journal, with Steve Dorshik from the Canton Repository, Marla Reitenauer from the Akron Beacon Journal, and last and certainly least, <laughs> Nate Ulrich from the Browns beat writer for the Akron Beacon Journal. Okay, the Browns racked up another preseason win. You know how important those are. Those count a lot. <laughs> they beat the New York Giants 17-14. Guys, what did we learn today, if anything? Well, I think we learned quite a bit, actually. Uh, you know, it might not seem earth-shattering, but there's a list, and I don't want to Ramble too long, so I'm just going to pick one. Uh, I think we learned that Kaderil Hodge uh, is still alive in this competition at receiver. And uh, he was the number three receiver heading into last season, and he has become a forgotten man this summer with the emergence of Donovan Peoples-Jones, with them drafting um, Anthony Schwartz in the third round, with Demetrik Felton being a versatile, you know, darling of the coaching staff with Rashard Higgins being so reliable and, and um, you know, such a security blanket for Baker Mayfield. Kaderil Hodge really, I think, has been overshadowed by all those guys. But he made a couple really nice catches today, including a, a touchdown catch. And I think he is a presence in this thing, and I think it's going to come down to him and JoJo Natson. It's going to be a numbers game. And it's going to be uh, heavily reliant on special teams. And what I'm watching is can Demetric Felton basically supplant Natson as that dual returner? And if he can, I think they really like uh, Hodge as a uh, special teams ace. Here's the irony of that entire situation. I asked JoJo Natson last week who his best friend on the team was. It's Kadero Hodge. So that's interesting in itself. I, I don't recall a time in, in Brown's at least recent history where they've been appear this deep at wide receiver. They've got a bunch of guys who can play, period, or it looks like they can play. And, and that's one through six. There are a couple you could argue for below there. So it's going to get interesting. Go ahead, Marla. Well, what I learned is what I wrote my column about. If Kevin Stefanski says there's no fighting and you fight even when practice is over, you're going to play. I mean, you better, um, you know, he played Troy Hill for three of the four defensive series in the first half after his little dust up with uh, Sterling Shepard of the Giants on Friday. So, I mean, we don't know a whole lot about Stefanski, you know, internally, but I did, you know, ask him if this – 
you know, Hill playing when most of the other starters were sitting was related. And he did not say no. He didn't. He said that's between me and Troy. So um, that was basically a yes to all of us. So I do think you, you know, he's he's establishing these, you know, standards for this team and he's going to hold them to it. I mean, I think you can't. I mean, players are quick to if you're wishy-washy, you know, favor the veterans, you know, like go back on your word. I mean, that does not play go over well, I don't think. I think you have to be consistent. And he showed, he preached all week last week that if you fight in these practices, you're you're going to, you know, play and there's going to be consequences and there were. So, I mean, that's a different side of Kevin Stefanski, another wrinkle that we haven't seen. Is it something you appreciate in a coach? Oh, I think so. But, but what I'm saying is, though, I think it's more important how your players view you. And if you're not consistent and your message isn't consistent and you don't stick to your guns every time and you have a double standard for, you know, stars versus everyone else, then I think that's where it's most important. Nate and uh, Marlon, I, I think that um, I, I agree that we did learn uh, something about uh, Daryl Hodge that uh, will be somewhat important at some point, maybe. And, and Marlo, the uh, the discipline stuff that you're talking about and the uh, the structure stuff is, is very important too. But I, I think um, we saw something today that all of us uh, already knew, and that was exercises like today's preseason game are a colossal waste of everybody's time. They're a gross, you know, gross miscarriage of efficiency, the, the kind of uh, you know discipline and structure and clock management, if you will, that the NFL uh, spends uh, every Sunday talking about uh, in-season. So th I thought that was a big waste. But I'll give you one thing that I thought I learned uh, that, that is of value within the context of, man, oh, man, they got to do something about wasting all this time. But I, I think that uh, Case Keenum needs to uh, establish himself as a guy who can win games if anything happens to Baker Mayfield. Because with the roster they've established, you know, you would hate for a whole season to go to waste if your starting quarterback can't go. That happens to teams all the time. And I think what we saw from Keenum today is, uh, you know, some of uh, why he was, what, 11-3 and three with the Minnesota Vikings uh, when Stefanski was there uh, several years ago, and some of why he's a career backup uh, who, uh, who uh, you know, folded in his playoff uh, loss the year he got in the, into the playoffs. So I, I, uh, I, I think uh, we learned something about Keenum, and that is uh, – and I, I guess that in, in theory, he's uh, 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 the kind of backup uh, who maybe you're going to be okay with and maybe can keep you in a season uh, if uh, something happens to Mayfield. That was an extremely ugly interception. Extremely. Um, there, there's no other way to describe it. It's like, and, and the big question, and I was, I was looking at my Twitter feed as, uh, after it happened. It's like, who was he throwing to? And, and the only reasonable answer was the other guy. I mean, I, <laughs> not having played pro football professionally or, or quarterback, you, you know, I'm not trying to pile on the guy, but for lack of a, a better assessment, that was a lack of judgment. Or he just didn't see him. I don't know. I don't know which. But it, it's fair criticism. Yeah, I mean, if anything happens to Mayfield, I think – the, one one of the extensions, the learning point on Keenum is uh, it better happen uh, midway through the regular season and not in the postseason. I think you can, and I think that Keenum already has proved that he can uh, 
win some games, maybe even substantial or a number of games uh, in some circumstances. But this far along in his career, he's in his 30s to throw a pick like that, George. Uh, yeah, you've, uh, you can't do that and uh, be a starting quarterback. I, I, I think they need to know whether he can do, pull a Nick Foles. And, and if, you're, if you're looking for a quarterback like that, that's the standard. Can he get high? I get hot. <laughs> can he get hot at the right moment to, 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 to gather that momentum and carry a team through? And, and that's, that's the big question related to him. I mean, it's, can he, if Baker Mayfield or is is down for the entire season is, is, is super bowl contention a reality is it and yeah you're right steve he, he needs to answer that question but steve i, I i've got a trivia question for you because me and marla were, were talking about it in the press box during the game does demetric felton remind you of any past browns play browns running back I don't know. There, we, there have been a lot of, lot of guys who, uh, who make good, uh, fast, uh, quick cuts. I don't know, Ben. I'm real hesitant to uh, go overboard on any uh, good uh, preseason looks going all the way back to 2001 when Ben came <laughs> dashing through the sunlight on a yard uh, run. So, no, uh, but to answer your question, no, I'm sorry I failed that, uh, that test. Well, I'm, I'm thinking skill set. You know what? Overall skill set. Let's not go with production, but just the skill set. And oh, my receiver, mind, yeah, he's he's a really he look looks good as a receiver. Shoot. And my mind, my mind went to Greg Pruitt. Yeah, that's not a bad one, uh, George. I think Pruitt, and of course Pruitt was drafted uh, way higher than this guy was. He had some magical moves, you know. Yeah, guy, guy I know from Canton South who played quarterback in the Browns in the late seventies, early eighties. Mark Mark Miller still, you know. Uh, it kind of uh, gets his breath taken away when he thinks of Greg Pruitt's moves. But, yeah, if you want to go poor man's Greg Pruitt, uh, maybe I'll give you that. And, and the league had to change the rules for him with those with those tearaway jerseys, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, that I, I was just wondering. It's like with that skill set, the ability, it looks like he has the ability to return kicks. And I, I remember the Browns pulling – pulling Greg Pruitt from that duty because he proved to be too valuable in offense. So, yeah, If I can say this about him, uh, I, I think the to me the uh, valid point about him, what's real about him right now is uh, the number three back, whoever it becomes this year, isn't going to play a lot this year. But uh, they aren't going to keep uh, Chubb and Hunt together forever. And they need somebody to emerge uh, as a, a good number two back. I, I assume uh, – I, I don't know which one – Trevor Hunt's going to go sooner, but uh, yeah, you always uh, want to be developing uh, somebody with, uh, with uh, top talent. All right, guys, did we learn anything else? Anybody else have a point? Or go ahead. You do the kicker yeah. thing, right? Yeah, I mean, there, right. There was movement, big. right? Yeah, there was movement and a couple with a couple injuries. So, Steve, Cody Parkey, quad injury, not good for a kicker. Chase McLaughlin, uh, you know, in competition with Parkey and McLaughlin makes a 49-yard field goal late. Also at corner, Greedy Williams ends up with a groin injury in the first quarter. Not good for a corner to have a groin injury. So, you know, Greg Newsom II has pretty good position right now in that competition. He's also been practicing really well, had an interception uh, to end the two-minute drill Thursday's joint practice with the Giants. So it looks like the first-round pick uh, definitely has uh, the inside track to start week one in Kansas City, but 
Steve, what, what did you kind of dig around and, and figure yeah, out? I mean, that, that was kind of my, uh, while we, we were all working uh, post-game, I was able to do some focusing on the kicker. My, uh, my takeaway is kind of that this McLaughlin guy is really interesting. They didn't just uh, slump him onto the roster or bring him in as a camp leg. They claimed him off waivers. A, that tells you that they have questions about Parkey to go as far as to make a waiver claim to bring your kicker in. B, this, uh, this guy McLaughlin was uh, was special at uh, at Illinois. Never missed an extra point. And uh, and I looked, I didn't remember this off the top of my head, but I knew that uh, Cody Parkey missed some my last year. I looked it up, it was four. Four out of like 47 or something like that. So it wasn't a 10. It wasn't a ton, but uh, missed way more than you want an NFL kicker to, to make. Uh, the, the bottom line on McLaughlin is uh, he kicked a 49-yard field goal today. He's been good in his spot NFL uh, chances at uh, field goals beyond 50. And um, and uh, he kicked something like uh, four out of six attempts from 50-plus in college. So um, I almost, from that research, uh, I'm thinking it's 50-50 as to who the opening day kicker is because there's always somebody different since Phil Dawson left, right? It literally always is somebody different. Yeah, and actually when they claimed him in May, I just looked it up because I didn't remember the name, but they claimed him and they, they cut Matt McCrane, uh, who was on the practice squad last season. He was, they kicked for the Steelers before. So my reaction to that was they just they didn't think McCrane was pushing Parkey enough, and they thought McLaughlin could and would. And I think it's been a really even competition uh, in this training camp, except for one disaster stayed by Parkey, and he's stabilized. He went one for five in their first team field goal period, bounced back, and it's been about even. And then today, unfortunately for him, the quad injury pops up. So I think that, uh, you know, it could be McLaughlin uh, kind of against the rest of the league of who comes available if Parkey can't shake this uh, leg injury off rather quickly. Even before that leg injury, though, I told you guys I was his magnet for the uh, upright, you know, hitting one in Jacksonville. I mean, I know it went in, but, you know, you thought you would have thought maybe he got over that in the offseason and then it reared its head again. So I've been concerned about that even before this injury. So we'll see how this goes. Just one thing on Parkey. In, in the postseason, he was three for three on field goals. He was eight for eight on uh, PAT. So he did stabilize. So I think that works in, in his favor and kind of, uh, you know, uh, maybe resurrected uh, his good graces with the, the front office. Does anyone else think that the upright should be worth four? I mean, it's way harder to hit that than to get it between them. George, what did you learn, though? You asked all the tough questions. I haven't heard a, a lesson from you. A, a lesson? <laughs> I, I co-signed Steve's take on preseason football. <laughs> That's always your preseason uh, after Opportunity cost. We learned that in high school economics, right? It's not there. I, 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 what did I like? Other than Demetric Felton, I mean, I, I really appreciate his skill set. I want to thank him for taking me back to my childhood. Thank you very much. I think there are real possibilities with him um, down the line. Now, we'll, we'll see what happens, but he seems to have the right attitude. He seems to, to understand what position he's in, and he's, he seems ready to work work for it. And 
that could be a dangerous, dangerous kid down the line. What, who, I, I guess a modern day equivalent, Darren Sproles, maybe someone in that vein. I, I don't know, but I, I really appreciate what he can do. That's a good one. Um, one other thing, Marla might want to weigh on this. She loves Stephen Carlson. I, I don't even know how that came to be. But she, I, I can explain. Okay, explain. But Johnny Stanton really uh, <laughs> threw his hat in the ring to become the new Stephen Carlson today. Um, you know, a guy who's has he's been a quarterback in college, a linebacker, a fullback, a tight end. He has history with Stefanski. It was on the practice squad with the Vikings. Uh, came in as a tight end, moved to fullback, and now here he is auditioning as a tight end and had some nice moments today. A couple catches in a row and then a nice block as an inline tight end on the left edge that helped uh, um, the guy John Kelly uh, spring three on the left side for the five-yard touchdown run in the third quarter. So Stanton is interesting because maybe he you know, works his way on here. I was listening to the um, – broadcast on News 5, and Andrew Barry was on it at one point, along with a bunch of other Browns bigwigs. But Barry commented on uh, Stanton uh, and called him Mr. Versatility. So we know how much they covet versatility. That can't hurt. Malik McDowell's another name. Uh, uh, I know we were all talking about him a little bit on the way down to the interview room. But Malik McDowell, uh, I researched a little bit uh, uh, after his, his sack, and uh, he was just a major talent at Michigan State, a very good player on a team that all the way back in 2015 beat Ohio State, which at the time was ranked number two uh, in, in, in the country. But Malik McDowell was on the field today for the Cleveland Browns, was on the field. Now, uh, we don't have the time. You guys uh, want to do an hour on this podcast? No, me neither. But, uh, <laughs> That's how long it would take to get uh, get into his story, but it's it's almost like uh, it's it's just a, a train wreck and arduous and heartrending and uh, you know uh, any any uh, a dark adjective you might uh, might care to name about what's happened to him since he was at Michigan State, but to me I, I watched him a little bit after that, and I saw one of his teammates uh, after a play he made uh, go over and uh, knock him on the helmet, uh, so I, I saw a little bo- bit of bonding there for whatever that's worth. But that name's on my radar now. Uh, it, I, I'm, I'm sure it's on a few people's radar, but Malik McDowell, defensive tackle, plays a position that the team really needs to uh, shore up. Okay, what's with Steve Carlson? I'm waiting for that, and then we can go. <laughs> well, this goes back to when he was a rookie and he caught a touchdown pass, and Baker Mayfield had his, had his jersey framed, and – like made this huge thing and presented it to him in the locker room. And I'm thinking like, would Baker really do that if he didn't see a future for this guy? I mean, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, I just happened to be there when Baker gave it to him, but you know, Carlson was very, you know, humble, appreciative, kind of blown away that Baker would do this, you know, because that, you know, he was, you know, kind of a new guy, a new guy on the team. And I just think that if he, gained the respect of Baker that early in his career, there was something there. He's a very humble guy. I mean, and he's really a crucial guy on special teams. So they need to find someone. I mean, he plays on almost every special team. So you need to find someone who can take over that role because he was on, you know, field goal protection and all kind of things that you're going to need to 
find a dependable, dependable person there. So I can see when Kevin Stefanski talks about how important he was, I, I can kind of see where he's coming from, but I'm just, I was just kind of smitten by the, the, the act of kindness from Baker and how, how I kind of viewed that. That's a good story. And I, I've been thinking about just like, you know, how Mike Prefer obviously has these guys that he relies on to be like the special teams leaders and like with Carlson hurt, Tay Davis was on the team last year. He was one. He's gone. Tavier Thomas, he was on the team last year. He's gone. That's why I just keep coming back to Kadero Hodge to go full circle on you guys. So um, <laughs> Hodge was asked uh, today, you know, are you, do you feel like you're proving your, you know, receiver and not just a special teams ace? And he just, he basically dismissed the premise and he's like, no, no, I take pride in special teams. So I think that's a big factor. And, um, you know, the Browns getting down to 53 is more interesting than it's ever been because they're more talented. And he's a guy who all of a sudden I think is uh, very worth monitoring because I don't think it's a given, but I think he definitely helped himself. I agree. I learned something today, Nate. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, we're going to wrap it up. With Nate Ulrich, Marla Reinauer, Steve Dorschuk, I'm George Thomas. Enjoy your Sunday evening. I'm going to try. Hopefully somebody cooked dinner. (laughs) Later.